Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PyTorch Dev Podcast. Today, I want to talk about how we do reference counting in PyTorch. You might think of reference counting as something that isn't all that interesting, especially in C++, where there are plenty of um, classes like shared pointer that allow you to do reference counting without having to think very hard about it. Well, there's actually a lot of subtleties to doing reference counting in PyTorch, and I want to talk about a few of the um, things that are going on here. So one of the very first things that you figure out when you look into reference counting in PyTorch is that we don't actually use shared pointer for most things. Instead, we use this thing called intrusive pointer. Intrusive pointer is the term of art for uh, reference counting schemes which store the ref count for an object directly on the object itself. So this is in contrast to shared pointers in C++, which work on any type of object. And the way they do that is the reference count is stored in what's called a control block, which is allocated separately from the reference count in question. Of course, if you use make shared, um, the control block and the actual object in question will be done together in one allocation. But in general, um, you when you have a shared pointer, it's actually two pointers, one pointer to the control block and one pointer to the actual object in question. So that's a little wasteful, and it also um, makes it difficult to take a raw pointer and convert it into an owning pointer. So in PyTorch, we implement all of our reference counting using intrusive pointer. So the intrusive pointer stores the ref count on the object. You have to inherit from a intrusive pointer base, which says, hey, here's where the ref count is. Here's the memory layout that intrusive pointer accepts, expects. And then intrusive pointer is just, in fact, the actual you know smart pointer class that handles the reference count increment and decrement when things go in and out of scope. So the tensor type that you all know and love is exactly simply a wrapper on top of an intrusive pointer to the tensor impl, which actually comes the, contains the tensor data in question. And uh, tensor impl has a very minimal API, and then tensor, the wrapper class, actually has a ton of extra methods defined on it, um, which you know lets you do all of the good old-fashioned method calls that you want to do in PyTorch. So the ref count on intrusive pointers is atomic. So it means that PyTorch does work correctly in a multi-threaded setting, but it also means, like its shared pointer brethren, uh, atomic uh, operations are actually quite expensive. And that also means that intrusive pointer bumps are also expensive. Why, by the way, are atomic ref count bumps expensive? Well, the reason is that when you do an atomic operation, your processor has to actually bounce the you know, cache line, which you know previously could just directly operate it on, back into main memory to make sure things get consistently seen by the other cores in question. And that um, communication is quite expensive. In contrast, Python does a lot of ref counting, and people don't generally think of you know, increasing or decreasing ref counts in Python as very expensive, and that's because Python ref counts are actually non-atomic, and they're protected by the global interpreter lock. So you know, the interpreter only runs in a single-threaded fashion. And you know, increments and decrements that are not atomic, that are not locked, those are very cheap to do. So because tensor ref count bumps are very expensive, we actually go through quite a lot of trouble to avoid actually doing ref count bumps when we can. And in fact, in PyTorch, um, when we write functions, like we write operators, um, typically the lifetime of tensors is very, very regular, right? In particular is that um, you know when we call a function with a bunch of tensors, those tensors are gonna stay live for the entirety of the function. Because you know what are these functions doing? They're not storing things in data structures. They're not destroying anything, right? They're just reading in the tensors as input and then doing 
doing things with those. So in fact, everywhere in PyTorch where you know you don't actually want to steal a tensor in question, um, we just pass around const tensor ampersand, which is just a very convenient way of writing, hey, pass in this tensor and don't actually um, you know, do a reference count bump when you pass it in in this way. Now, if you're a veteran C++ programmer, you might be thinking to yourself, hey, why are you doing a const reference to a shared pointer type which actually points to the object in question? Isn't that a double indirection? Shouldn't you just be passing a you know, tensor impulse star or some sort of direct pointer to the object in question in this situation? And really the answer is yes, you would be right. In an ideal world, this is what we would do. But remember that tensor is a type that has a lot of methods on it, and tensor impl is a very bare bones type. So, uh, you know, when we um, were originally writing out the A10 library, we had this problem, which is that, well, you know, these tensors that people want to take in a non owning fashion, well, these people still want all of the methods, all of the, you know, useful, convenient stuff that's only on tensor and not on tensor impl to be available in the situation. And if you pass a tensor impl star, well, you're not going to get any of that information. So, you know, at the very beginning, we were like, okay, well, we're just going to const tensor ampersand, and, you know, that'll be very easy and convenient to do, and you'll get all the API that you had before, and then the rest is history. So, like, everywhere you look in PyTorch, you're going to see const tensor ampersand all around everywhere. There's also a little bit of nuance here, which is that um, if you have a const tensor ampersand, you might be thinking to yourself, hey, um, you know, maybe I should just pass it by value, and um, that you know, also whenever I get to move into the tensor in question, doesn't that you know, save me a reference count bump in that situation anyway? And certainly if you are dealing with a function that wants to take ownership of the tensor in question, this is certainly a good thing. But once again, most of the functions in PyTorch are borrowing from the tensor. They don't actually take on ownership. And there's this funny business with the Itanium ABI, which says that if you have a non-trivial class, an intrusive pointer is a non-trivial class because it has a destructor that's responsible for decrementing the ref count when it exerts. If you have a non-trivial class, you must put it on the stack so that I can take a pointer address to it. So I'm not allowed to pass in an intrusive pointer to a tensor impl directly inside of a register. It always has to be on stack. It's a kind of crappy thing about the ABI. It actually is one of the reasons why unique pointer is not a zero cost abstraction. You pay for using unique pointers instead of raw pointers that you just manually alloc and dealloc. But you know, basically, um, whenever you say constants or ampersand, that's basically what you know people were doing anyway when they were forced to put their um, intrusive pointers on the stack. So it's no worse, really. So taking stock where we are right now, so we've got tensor. Tensor is a reference counted type. Um, it internally is represented as an intrusive pointer to a tensor impl, which actually contains the actual data for the tensor in question. Um, reference count bumps in PyTorch are atomic and therefore expensive. And in order to get around that, most people pass around tensors as const tensor ampersand. By the way, this const on the const tensor ampersand means that you're not allowed to mutate the reference itself, right? So like if I had a tensor x and I pass it into a const tensor 
ampersand, um, you wouldn't be allowed to, um, you know, set x equal to y, and that would change what the binding was at the top level. What it does not mean, and what something that is very easy to get confused about, is it does not mean that the tensor itself is const, and we're not allowed to mutate it. You're allowed to mutate whatever you want. Const correctness on tensor is not actually a thing. And this is because um, when we say const tensor ampersand, we mean a const reference to a mutable tensor, not a reference to a const tensor, which in you know shared pointer parlance would have been shared pointer open angle bracket const tensor close angle bracket. That's just sort of not representable if you just say tensor because tensor is already you know an intrusive pointer to a tensor impulse. So you'd have to like come up with a different type like const tensor in that situation, which you know might not be a bad idea. And there's an issue about this, and someone should go about and implement this at some point in time. A funny problem happens occasionally when you're working with this tensor type, which is that sometimes you have a tensor impulse star. Remember, one of the perks of doing intrusive pointers is you can pass around a bunch of raw pointers to the objects in question, and then you can always easily convert these into real, honestly goodness, shared pointers. You can't easily do that with a shared pointer because, well, you know, you need to somehow get at the control block. That's why enable shared from this is a thing. That you know, is an extra bit of information that records where the control block is so you can always get to it when you need it. So your problem is you've got one of these raw tensor impulse and you want to pass it to one of these const tensor ampersands that I said is all over the code base in PyTorch. And here's the problem. To do this, you actually need an honest-to-goodness tensor class. Although the tensor class is, you know, representationally equivalent to a raw pointer, because at the end of the day, it contains a C10 intrusive pointer. And what is a C10 intrusive pointer? Well, it's just a raw pointer with a bunch of special destructors. C++ does not allow you to actually interchangeably, you know, convert between these two representations. So like, you're kind of stuck, right? To actually pass a tensor impulse star to a const tensor ampersand, you have to somehow manufacture a tensor. But manufacturing a tensor you know, ordinarily gives you a ref counted owning object that is obligated to destroy the tensor, you know, decrement the ref count when the tensor goes out of scope. So it seems kind of like you're out of luck, right? Like you want to create a non-owning const tensor reference, but you can't do it because, well, um, you know, you have to make a tensor and tensor's getting in the way. So Scott Walchuk had a really good observation about how to solve this problem. Right? So remember that the problem is that if we create a tensor, well, one is that you know ordinarily you have to increment the ref count when you create a tensor, but you could imagine skipping that. But then when you destruct the tensor, the tensor will actually decrement the ref count, right? So you've got two ref counts you need to somehow get rid of. But um, intrusive pointer actually has a condition in its deallocation. And the condition says that we only decrement the ref count if the intrusive pointer actually is non-null. If the intrusive pointer is null, we skip the decrement altogether. And this behavior in the destructor gives us an out, right? What it says is that if I manually clear the intrusive pointer before the destructor of tensor runs, then the destructor of tensor will see that the pointer is null and it'll skip the decref. So all I need to do is be able to release an intrusive pointer without decrementing the ref count and nulling out the value on the inside, and I can get by scot-free. And this is the idea behind TensorRef.
So how does tensorref work? So tensorref is a class. It contains a tensor as its member, but it's intended to be a non-owning uh, version of tensor. So you are able to construct these without incrementing ref count bumps. And when you destruct these, no ref count bumps happen. On construction, what you do is you take a tensor and you take the raw pointer for that tensor and you manufacture a new tensor object without actually incrementing the ref count. Um, intrusive pointer actually has an API for doing this. It's like don't increase ref count tag in the constructor. Um, it used to be private, but you know we made it a little less private so that we could do this particular thing for tensor refs. Um, and then when we destruct the object, well, um, destructors for child classes run before parent classes. So in the child class destructor for tensorref, what we do is we release the pointer. So what release does is it sets this intrusive pointer to null and skips the ref count bump. And now the parent destructor, which you know is going to process the members in the class in question, namely the tensor, will see that, well, it's a null pointer, so there's nothing to do. So you've bypassed the increment ref count and decrement ref count in both cases. And once again, what was the point of doing all of this? Well, now I have a way of given a tensor impulse star, I can create a tensor const tensor ampersand, right? I do that by creating one of these tensor refs, which internally contains a const tensor ampersand. And that's the way that I can actually then call these functions without having to do any reference count bumps. So this is a pretty good, cool idea, and we actually never implemented it. And the reason we never implemented it was because, well, you know, tensor ref is an entirely new class. C++ doesn't have dot overloading. That is to say, there's no way to say, hey, given a class, um, here's what the meaning of all dot foo operations means, because then I could just forward it to tensor. So actually, we'd have to code generate all of the same methods that used to live on tensor on tensorref as well. That was kind of a pain, and so no one has gone around to doing it. However, Megan Lele has been working on a similar concept, optional tensorref. So what is optional tensorref? Well, optional tensorref is for those situations where you want to optionally pass in a tensor to one of the kernels in PyTorch, or maybe there's no tensor at all. Previously, we implemented these as um, a std optional tensor, but there's a problem with this implementation. Do you see it? std optional tensor with no extra references or pointers or anything like that implies that you're getting an owning reference to tensor. So in fact, to call a function like this, you have to do a reference count bump. That's bad. And you know we kind of messed this up and we're trying to fix it with um, structured kernels. So optional tensor ref doesn't have this problem. Um, it also um, is a little more efficient than uh, optional tensor because optional tensor, the optional class is obligated to store whether or not the tensor is full or not via a separate Boolean. But you know we can actually just represent that as a null pointer tensor inside optional tensor ref. And finally, optional tensor ref doesn't have the problem of the API because, well, um, you expect to have to use arrow notation whenever you're accessing an optional object because you don't know if it's null or not. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into reference counting in PyTorch. And um, if there's one thing that I want you to take away from this podcast, it's that atomic ref counts are expensive. So avoid them whenever you can. That's everything I wanted to say for today. Talk to you next time.